Welcome to the Faith Lakeside Podcast. Each week you'll hear another great message that will help you know God and make Him known in your life. Join us each Sunday at 1045 a.m. and throughout the week in small groups to make the most of your learning experiences. Now, sit back, relax with a great cup of coffee and a notebook and enjoy this week's message. More great stuff from God's Word to look forward to, but for today, let's focus on what's right before us. So, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open them up to the book of Colossians, in which we've already looked through the first three and a half chapters and seen how it's, it's God's Word to us to help us get a focus from the things that are right in front of us and the things of this life and this world and on our Savior Jesus Christ and His kingdom and how we uh, come to know Him and treasure Him. And then He brings our focus back down to the people around us. And, and we've already seen in, uh, in, in how to rightly focus our living and the things that we are supposed to put away and the things we're supposed to put on, the character traits that we might look more like Jesus and um, then we get to the household. And so Colossians 3, 18 through chapter 4, verse 1, we have how to live out Christ at home, how to make him the king of your home. And remember, as we look at this household code once again this week, this is not cultural. This is something that God has given based on his design from Genesis chapters 1 and 2 and how he built the household to function. And so when we read these, these are not just, um, just warm recommendations about how to make home better, but these are commands for believers on how to live Christ and his kingship in our homes to make them the place of refuge and hope that they should be. And so Colossians chapter 3, verse 18 through 4-1 says this, if you'd like to follow along either in your own Bible or should be in the Bible app this morning as well. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they won't become discouraged. Slaves, obey your human masters in everything. Don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but work wholeheartedly fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people. Knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord, you serve the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong he has done, and there is no favoritism. Masters, deal with your slaves justly and fairly, since you know that you too have a master in heaven. And so this, this passage, once again, as, as we go through it, reminds us what a Christian household in which everyone who participates is a believer, what it should look like. And this is not for us to, to use to beat one another up, but it speaks to each of us in the roles that God has given to us in the household, speaks to us and our own personal responsibility in living that out. Now, we have to be honest, when we read these passages, they have been abused. 
that the church has used the idea of, uh, well, not the idea, but the truth of wives submitting to husbands as a means of abusing women, of, of making them servants instead of helpmates and, and partners, that, that the, the truth of Scripture has been abused to make children into to servants and, and to, to make them subject to abuse that, that is not biblical. But just because a true thing has been abused does not mean that it is no longer true. In fact, when we, I was kind of a smart aleck and said, because someone smokes and abuses their lungs, uh, you know, smokes crack, let's just talk about it, you know, let's go all the way, right? Uh, does that mean that we should stop breathing? In, in, you know, kind of in a, in a revolt against someone abusing breathing, we should just stop breathing ourselves, right? No, that's ridiculous. You know, in, in, we look at, at um, intimacy in marriage and, and intimacy in general. Because people abuse intimacy, does that mean we should no longer be intimate in marriage? Well, no, that's ludicrous. You take a good thing that God has created with a specific purpose, and it should not be rejected simply because it is abused by others. But instead, we should try and reclaim it for what it should be. That we should try and reclaim the beauty of it. C.S. Lewis said this, the family can be offered to God and can be converted and redeemed and will then become the channel of particular blessings and grace. God has always intended for the family, the household that he designed to be a place of blessing and grace. And each of our families, whatever they look like, whether it is a, a, a normal nuclear family, it's us alone with, with some kids that come and visit every once in a while, it's whatever our family looks like, whatever we are, it can be offered up to God and redemption can come to it. And the family life that we have can be one of grace and blessing when we turn it back over to God and get rid of the abuses but also we don't reject its design simply because it's been abused. And so these two verses we'll focus on today. We've already talked about wives and husbands and the, the challenges of that relationship and, and how submission and love are <laughs> bigger than what those words seem to mean. It's not about servanthood and, and roses. It is about uh, the structure that God has ordained and helping us to work together in harmony and deeply care for one another. And the same is true in this relationship between children and specifically fathers. But mothers, you're not off the hook because when we talk about parental authority, mothers are included in this concept as well. But today, what a great day. It's Father's Day, you know, on our, on our um, go buy a card calendar. And uh, it's, it's uh, you know, one of those things we celebrate dads. And, and fatherhood, though, is so critical uh, spiritual fatherhood, right fatherhood is so critical because who in scripture that's really important to us conveys himself as father? God, oh, it was a Sunday school answer. It was right there in front of everybody and you're right. God, you were thinking it, it's too simple. There's, this is a trick question. No, in scripture, God says he is our father. And so what we have to understand is fatherhood is important. Proper fatherhood is, is critical because it is a reflection of the fatherhood of God. Now the problem is a lot of us, we look at fathers and we think because we have been fathers of a certain kind or had fathers of a certain kind, that that means God is that way. But that is not true. In fact, it's not that human fathers design or uh, speak to the, the nature of God, but rather it should be that the nature of God's fatherhood sets the standard for proper biblical Christian fatherhood. 
And so we, we have to not take the bad that we've experienced and transfer it to God, but instead look to God and know who we are supposed to be. And so that's why it's so important for us to deal with these relationships in a biblical manner, according to the way that our Father in heaven has designed them. So Colossians 3.20, it says this. It says, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Now, those of us who've had younger children or, or, or walked through childhood with others, we're like, yes, I'd like to get this tattooed on every child's forehead so that they, they have to read it when they do something in the mirror, so that it, they're reminded that it's, it's on the back of every door, that maybe we get t-shirts where that's all they get to wear. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And we think of little kids when we read this oftentimes. But it's important to understand something about this word, children, which is why it's highlighted. Children in, in this culture, in, in when this Bible verse was written, children and this word in the Greek, it literally means offspring of any age. There, there was no upper limit in application to this passage, to this verse. There was never a time in this culture where uh, an older child was completely free and, and outside of the authority of their father. Now, in our culture, we're all looking forward to what? 18, right? We get to go out and we get to be ourselves at 18. And then we get to 18 and we realize that that's a near impossibility. Uh, some of us were able to, to strike out and, and make it on our own, but, but we realize that we still need family. We still need others, and that is the case in the era that this verse was written. When Paul writes to us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he says, children, he means anyone who is an offspring of someone else. Now, let's, let's just a, a quick poll. Who here came from someone else? And if, right, exactly. Everyone raise your hand if you're, if you're confused about what that means. Uh, talk to the person beside you, see if they can clarify for, for you what that, that means. But, but all of us are children of someone. We are all children. And, and this verse, was there some clarity that came all of a sudden? Uh, oh, uh, we're all children of someone, right? And so this verse applies to all of us. In the era when this was written, uh, in the Greek culture, uh, the, the child was freed from the, the oversight of their father when the father died. In the Roman culture, it's when they reached 60 years old. So we look at 18 and go, I'm an adult. In the Roman culture, when this verse was written, 60 is when you no longer had to, to follow your, your father's dictates and commands. And, and the, the, the standard by which these people in the early era of the Christian life lived is that the parents had absolute authority over their children and able to determine spouses and vocations. And so it's, it's certainly moderated culturally. And, and we've gotten to the point where we read this verse and we just think little tiny kids should clean their room when we tell them to. But this verse is speaking to all of us of all ages and it speaks to our relationship with parents. Now, some of you, maybe, maybe your parents have passed on. You're free, but now you're the ones who are in charge. And it's important for you to, we'll get to that later, understand your role as a leader. So children, it's everybody of all ages who is an offspring. And it says, children, obey your parents in everything. 
Uh, I was in youth ministry for a number of years. And the question is always, well, what does that mean? What does obey mean? I mean, what, what, where are the limits? When do I have to stop obeying? When am I free to not obey? Well, well let's talk about that a little bit. Here's, here's the obey in this context, this word. It, it really means absolute and unquestioning obedience. Uh, my dad is here and uh, visiting for the weekend. He just had to see me. I'm so special. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, so, but, but I worked construction with my dad, and I remember a, a lesson he taught me early on, and, and hopefully I'm remembering it rightly, is, is uh, I was a, a child, 10, 11, 12, I was just helping on job sites, and then he still let me start working with him, but he told me, when I tell you to do something, you do it immediately on the job site. And, and the reason was, he wanted me to, to hear him and to respond because my life could be in danger. And I wouldn't even notice it. Uh, you know, you're a, 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 a preteen sweeping, you know, do, 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 you know, and something's falling. You're not noticing anything. You're just focused on the dirt and how cool it is when it rolls across the floor. You know, and, and, and he was so adamant, though, that we listen on the job site. That when he said, move, do, run, go, duck, that there was no why, right? Because that's how you catch something in the face. But we obeyed. And, and this verse, this is what it is saying. Children, those who are, your parents are still in your life, you should be willing to, to turn to them and receive their, their instruction, receive what they have for you with unquestioning obedience. And, and they shouldn't have to explain to us why. Now, there is a little bit of, of well... There's a couple outs here, but, but we'll talk about those. But here's what we're supposed to do. Obey, an absolute and unquestioning. And you might say, well, in what? In what? I mean, like what area of my life is off limits? And scripture says, obey your parents in everything. In everything. Now, if we're going to take this to its, its logical conclusion, we would say, well, what about my dating life? Everything. What about my vocation? Well, Everything. What, what about uh, what clothes I wear today? Yes, everything. What about the language I use at home? Everything. What about the language I use when I'm out? Everything. Children, obey your parents in everything. And remember, we're not just talking to people who are under 18 this morning. All of us, if we are blessed to still have our parents in our lives... Our relationship with them should be such that we are willing to, to open ourselves up to following their leadership in every aspect of life. And I know some of us as parents, we're just sitting here going, <laughs> you know, we got big plans for later today. This is going to be great. We'll talk about that in a moment. So you might wonder, well, how, how serious is God about this obedience thing? Well, he, he talks about it in a number of places. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. This has been one of our memory verses, our treasured verses. And, and you see it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, because this is right. Now, remember, this household code is written to believing children with believing parents. And so there are some assumptions about what's going on here. That the parents' desire is not to their own glory, but to the, the glory of God. Their parents' desire is not for their own good, but for the good of their children. 
And so to obey parents who are wanting to glorify God and bring about good in your life is a reasonable and meaningful choice. And so to obey our parents in the Lord, well, it's the right thing to do. Like Wilford Brimley used to tell us about Quaker oatmeal, it's the right thing to do. It's going to lower our cholesterol and make life better. Well, obeying your parents is the right choice. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. So we see here in the New Testament, all of a sudden, we're reminded of what the Old Testament says about honoring and obeying our parents. And so Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, this is the command. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Depending upon how your tradition counts the commandments, it's either number five or number four. I count it number five. So uh, the fifth commandment is honor your father and your mother so that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. It was a promise. If you honor your parents, if you respect them, if you lift them up, if you obey them, then God will bless you with a long life in the land that he has given to you. And so we see this first command with a promise out of the Ten Commandments. All the others had no promise, and this one follows up with a promise. And God is so serious about obedience between children and parents that he begins to set some very strict rules in its application. Exodus 21, 17, whoever curses his father or his mother must be put to death. Now, it's interesting. There is, once again, no limit, no age limit on the application of these truths and these standards, these laws. And so it doesn't say if a child is under 18 and they curse their parents, they should die. It is if a child, if someone curses their father or their mother, they should be put to death. Leviticus Leviticus 29, if anyone curses his father or mother, he must be put to death. He has cursed his father or mother. His death is his own fault. That's like a perfect response. Well, I mean, it's it's your fault. You You chose it, dummy. You know, everybody knows you don't curse your parents. Everybody knows you don't stick a fork in an outlet, right? You just, there are certain things you know you don't do or you deserve to die. You get what you deserve. And scripturally, cursing your parents is just as stupid as sticking a fork in an outlet. You deserve what you get. Proverbs 20, 20, whoever curses his father or mother, his lamp will go out in deep darkness. For those of you who maybe don't understand metaphor, that means he dies. And, and so understand how important obedience is. How important respect for parents is. God is pronouncing upon those he calls his own people the death penalty for children who curse or dishonor their parents. And this is a big deal. Romans chapter 1 verses 28 through 31. The the, the writer is expressing to us what what the, the epitome of fallen culture looks like. 
what the world will look like when it is walking in a state of absolute rejection of God and his, his standards and his love and his creation. And here's what it will look like. Because they did not think it worthwhile to acknowledge God, God delivered them over to a corrupt mind so that they do what is not right. So this, this passage is telling us the epitome of rebellion against God is what follows. They are filled with unrighteousness, evil, greed, and wickedness. These are some bad people turned over to their own sinful hearts in rejection of God's righteousness. They are full of envy, murder, quarrels, deceit, and malice. These are some bad folks. I mean, none of us in here are like that, right? They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, arrogant, proud, boastful, inventors of evil. I mean, we're talking Hitler-level kind of stuff here. Disobedient to parents. Senseless, untrustworthy, unloving, and unmerciful. Unmerciful. God's Word tells us that disobedience toward parents, dishonor toward parents is the epitome or uh, amongst those final signs of an absolutely fruitless and broken culture. And so we as Christians, we want to live a life that honors God, not one that rejects Him. A a life that, that lifts up His Word and His ways, not one that walks in disobedience toward it. And so when we look around at disobedience to parents, we might think it's no big deal at all. Ah, it's just part of growing up. We hear things like terrible twos. They're just in the terrible twos. It's okay. I mean, they burned the house down, but it's okay. They're so cute. Every teenager will rebel. It's a lie. They don't have to. They can walk in the word of God in the ways that he's called them to, and, and, and rebellion is not a necessity. But we excuse disobedience, don't we? It's no big deal. But God's word says, for a believing child of any age, it is a big deal. And so to allow your believing children to disobey is to allow them to displease the Lord. To allow them to walk in a way that is outside of his standards and hopes for their lives. Children, obey your parents in everything. For Why would we do it? This pleases the Lord. Understand, the Apostle Paul, underneath the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he is saying to Christians, this isn't a matter of your relationship with your parents. This is a matter of your relationship with God himself. And so when we are talking about obedience toward our parents, we're talking about honoring them and respecting them. This isn't we do it because we want to be in good relationship with them. We do it because we know it's part of walking in right relationship with our Heavenly Father. And so it's hard, isn't it? I mean, we we know the deepest, darkest flaws of our parents. And most of us, most of us, we look just like them in some way or another. <laughs> Shelly will tell me every once in a while I'll say something and she'll look at me and go, David, that's my dad. <laughs> that's his name. Why? Because it's like I'm just like him. I know that, that, that my boys, you can say <laughs> justice, my oldest just laughed. His wife will call him by my name because we just, we're, we, we replicate, we become 
our parents. And, and that's, that's why it's so easy to hate them and to, 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 to condemn them because we see ourselves in them. We don't like some of the things about us, and so we, we transfer it even more onto them. But this is not about us and them. This is about being obedient to our Heavenly Father. This is about walking in the righteousness that He has shaped us for. And so if we have the privilege of our parents still in our lives, we should be obedient toward them. Now, I will say, there is a time to disobey, and some of you were waiting for this, weren't you? Yes, I knew there had to be a loophole. When is it okay to disobey our parents if they instruct us to violate God's revealed standards, commands, or expectations? And really, that's about it. So, in other words, if, if, if mom tells you to go kill the neighbor, right? You go, yeah, um, that's one of the top ten that we're not supposed to do, mom. I don't know that I need to obey. And where do we get this? Well, we get this from, from all kinds of folks in the Old Testament who are commanded to submit and obey government authority and yet do otherwise because governmental authority was contradicting the authority of the Father in heaven. So Rahab and Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and then we see Peter and John in the New Testament. When is it okay to disobey someone that God has told you to obey when they are telling you to do something that is against the standards of God? Otherwise, obedience is the rule of the day. Now, we, we get to the point of, of saying, you know, well, when do we obey? Every other time. Every other time that, that parents speak truth and speak the commands of God into our lives. And, and as adult children, how do we obey? Well, we obey when we're seeking to honor our parents. I, I got to say, adult kids, those of us who still have our parents, when we go and visit, let's leave the things that we know offend our parents and belittle what they taught us outside. It may be something that we think is okay, but let's walk into their home and follow their rules and live by their standards. Watch what you say. Watch what you wear. If you know it offends mom and dad, don't flaunt it. Now, don't be ashamed of, of who God has, 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 has brought you to be in this life, but, but also don't stand in rebellion against them. You are an adult, but that does not give you the right to rebel and disobey and dishonor. When you come into their presence, show them the respect that is due them. So we obey them. We obey their standards. And I would say that we must obey when we are under the direct authority, when we are living or staying at their home. So if you are an adult and you are living at mom and dad's, guess what? You should follow the rules. You should certainly obey. You should certainly honor them in everything. You know, maybe you're just staying there for a long weekend. Honor and obey. When you are under their direct authority, absolutely live by the standards that they give you, especially when you have believing parents. Especially when you have believing parents. Because by disobeying or dishonoring them, you are disobeying and dishonoring the Father in heaven. And, and this is a difficult thing to do, isn't it? Because we want to be ourselves. We want to be in charge. But God has told us, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Now we're getting to the other side of the equation, though. 
Because God doesn't just say to those who are in submission, submit. He says to those who are given authority, you must wield it well. You must care for those that God, in a role, in the role that is assigned to you, that he's given you authority over. You've got to do it in a way that's meaningful. So he says this, fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they won't become discouraged. So we see specifically addressed fathers. In the first century when this was written, fathers would have been the head of the household. And, and fathers, you should all be the ones taking charge of leading your household when it comes to proper discipline, when it comes to spiritual things. It is specifically assigned to fathers to be the ones who take up the mantle of both spiritual and practical leadership and, and lead out in our homes. Now, that doesn't mean moms don't have a role, right? Because who, who usually spends more time with the kids? Mom <laughs> or their school teachers. But still, uh, a, a lot of moms and, and, and dad is, is sometimes on the periphery, but we must be involved, we must be engaged. This speaks to fathers specifically. And we must be willing to take up the role that's been assigned to us. Now, there's also no limit here on fathers and children. Uh, speaking of fathers and, and, well, you know, don't harass your kids. Don't exasperate your kids when they're little. No, this is actually something that is good for your kids even when they're adults. Practice your authority carefully. This, this, this uh, command, do not exasperate your children. When we look at the word exasper exasperate, it means don't stir them up, don't excite them, don't stimulate them or provoke them. Now, that doesn't mean like, you know, never scare them around the corner. Jump scares are okay. But it is, it is instead, don't use your authority to play games. Any dad ever, ever done that? Ever, ever used the authority that you have over your children? Ever, any mom ever done that? Where, where you do things to them and you abuse your authority for the sake of a little bit of a laugh or from some fun or to get what you want out of them even if it's something that isn't necessarily biblical or right? And so when we, when we talk about what it is to exasperate, it is don't stir them up, don't excite them, don't stimulate them, or don't provoke them unnecessarily in ways that are not biblical. And, and to just add further definition, we can say it's unnecessary, selfish, self-centered, demeaning, entertainment-driven demands for obedience. Any, anybody done that? Had a parent do that to you? Someone in authority do that to you? abuse their authority in a way that is all about them, not about helping you to grow, not about helping you to achieve. Uh, I understand how easy and tempting it is. And, and I think that especially dads, every dad turns into a big brother at some point in their children's lives. And, and big brothers are notorious for picking on little brothers and younger siblings. And every dad struggles with this desire to want to pick at them. I mean, it begins when they're infants. I remember when, when my, my kids are infants, you know, you do the whole lip thing. You know, you make them say Yoda things and, and you know, you, you make them talk. And, and then there's the whole don't, you know, stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself, you do with them and with their arms and, you know, things like that. And, and, and that's the kind of stuff we're talking about on a, a, a real light level. But 
there's more serious stuff that we can do that we, we make them behave in a way that we want because it's what makes us happy. Our children are not, are not here to, to make us happy in, in the sense of being our slaves and our servants, you know. Uh, but, but, but we have been blessed with them to nurture them and raise them up to create in our household an atmosphere of discipleship so that they will learn how to honor God properly by honoring our strong biblical leadership. And so if we are consumed with telling our kids what to do so that our desires are met, we will exasperate them. We will create in them a rebellion against authority. We will create in them hearts that will turn away from the truth of God's word. So fathers, why would we not exasperate our children? Why don't we want to give them unreasonable demands? I mean, it makes me feel better, right? It makes me feel good. I'm in charge. Mothers, why would we not do that? Because we don't want to, them to be discouraged. And I think we've all experienced that, 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 to have people in our life that hold us to unrealistic standards that are driven by their own whims and desires. And, and when we get to the end of it, we realize we simply can't meet their, their desires. We can't obey rightly because it's always changing. The goalposts are moving. They're just doing this to get off on their authority, not because they actually want us to be better people. And that's why, as parents... And especially fathers, we have to be very careful how we wield the authority that God has given to us in the lives of our children. They are commanded to obey us in everything. Parents, moms, dad, they are commanded to obey us in everything. But the command to us is to make sure that the things that we ask them to obey in are necessary and meaningful and will develop them as believers, not just make us happy, not just satisfy our own whims. Now, I, I do want to give a little bit of a caveat here on Father's Day especially. Avoiding exasperating children is not the same as avoiding all discipline or correction. You will have a, a child that, that you are rightly Disciplining, You are rightly leading them. You are giving them right standards. And they'll be like, oh, oh. And you'll feel like you're a bad guy. You're not. You will feel like, oh, I'm just, I feel like I'm being so mean. You're not. Discipline and correction is a critical part of raising up godly children. And... Let's, I mean, we can, we can go through and look and see what, what Scripture has to say. Ephesians 6, this is the, the companion verse to the command of children. Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children. Don't exasperate them. But bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Parents, we are specifically commanded to bring our children up under the instruction and training of the Lord. It's, it's not a, just make sure they don't kill anybody before they leave the house at 18. It is your job as a parent is to disciple your children. And if the, the, if the term for children never ends, children are always supposed to be obedient, wouldn't it make sense that your job as a discipler never ends? And your role in instructing and in training, it never runs out. 
How do we do that? Here are some ways that we can train up our kids in the Lord, starting from the easiest to the most difficult. If you've got kids at home, especially, these things apply. Kids' church. Kids' church. We don't have a lot of our younger families here this morning. Thanks for being here, guys. I know you could have been somewhere else to celebrate Father's Day with somebody, right? But you're here this morning. Kids' church is an easy way to disciple your kids. You know why? You send them off and let somebody else do it. But that's not a fulfillment of your role, really. Your job is to train them up. Your job is to model to them what it looks like to follow Christ. And so we really want to encourage all of our parents of every age to have your kids in church with you. If you've got younger kids and need some help and want to understand why having your younger kids in with you, we've got a great book that Missy has provided, a great resource to help us understand why children should be in worship with us. Maybe you're older, wondering why there's all these noisy little kids on, on some Sundays. Understand, we want them in here with us. Why? We want them to look at you. We want them to watch you sing out loud, to watch you raise your hands, to watch you open your Bible, to watch you take notes, to watch you take a nap. It's all good because they're understanding what Christian life looks like. And we're training them up and we're instructing them. Uh, the, the next big thing, get them into Sunday Bible school. Another great opportunity for discipleship. Play the right music in your car, in your home. Pray together as a family. Start over meals. Rub-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. At least helps them get a right focus on who's providing the meal. Maybe a little more in-depth than that. If you want to go all in, home worship, home devotions, stuff that you can do. And it, it doesn't have to stop just because they move out. That when they're in your home, when you're together, when life brings you back, that you focus and you bring them back to these important elements of training them up towards Christ-likeness. How important is discipline? Here's this, what God's Word says. A, a child that rejects discipline, Deuteronomy 28, 18 through 21. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who does not obey his father or mother and doesn't listen to them, even after they discipline him, which is a critical component of the, the, the right way of bringing up kids. His father and mother are to take hold of him and bring him to the elders of his city, to the gate of his hometown. They will say to the elders of his city, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He doesn't obey us. He's a glutton and a drunkard. All of these things are more in line with an adult child than with a small child, aren't they? So even adult children, we're supposed to be disciplining and discipling them. And so if you've got this rebellious child, he's a glutton and a drunkard, you take him out to the city gates, then all the men of his city will stone him to death. You must purge the evil from you, and all Israel will hear and be afraid. God's standard for discipline, God's standard for this relationship is so high that the death penalty is in line for those who violate it. Proverbs 13, 24, an encouragement to parents. The one who will not use the rod hates his son, but the one who loves him disciplines him diligently. Now, we could discuss the nature of corporal punishment being proper or improper in its implementation. Scripture tells us there is a proper implementation for corporal punishment. There is a proper implementation for strict discipline. And the parent who genuinely loves their child of any age is willing to partake of it. <laughs> Dad, don't try and spank me. That'd be fun to see. Um, come on. Uh, honor, right? Obey. 
Proverbs 22:15. Foolishness is bound to the heart of a youth. A rod of discipline will separate it from him. God's word takes discipline so seriously. He says it's, it's a critical part of the maturation process. Proverbs 23, 13, and 14. Don't withhold discipline from a youth. If you punish him with a rod, he will not die. Punish him with a rod, and you will rescue his life from Sheol. What's Sheol, if we were going to put it in just street terms for us today? Hell. We rescue children from hell by giving them proper biblical discipline. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Do not do things that are selfish and self-serving. Do not have demands of them that are unbiblical and unrealistic, but do not be afraid to properly discipline them. Proverbs 29, 15, a rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a youth left to himself is a disgrace to his mother. Proverbs 29, 17, discipline your child, and it will bring you peace of mind and give you delight. Revelation 3, 19, the Lord Jesus speaking to his church, as many as I love, I rebuke and discipline. God himself says, discipline and love Discipline rightly done, rightly focused, and love are the same. And so when we discipline children according to biblical standards, it is a form of loving them and bringing them to a place of discipleship and maturation. So discipline, just to to give you some guidelines. I told you when it's important for you to obey or when you get a little bit of a loophole to not obey, discipline is not just some willy-nilly swatting at them whenever you want, but you must discipline in a way that does not exasperate children, but instead brings them into a right focus in relationship with God. And so how do we discipline? We discipline specifically and most importantly for violations of God's standards, not our preferences. So there should be an expectation for discipline when, when your child is rebelling against God, but not because they didn't stack the plates right in the cabinet, right? That they didn't put the milk away right. The cap wasn't tight. You didn't take the trash out soon enough. Uh, Discipline in the fact of a redirection, but certainly not discipline, corporal punishment. Small things should not be disciplined in huge ways. In proportion to the act of disobedience or rebellion, In other words, small infractions, small things should incur small disciplines. Bigger things, bigger rebellions incur greater consequences. If the sock drawer is out of order, you don't take away all their food for a month, right? You don't don't spank them. Maybe you take away and they get two pairs of socks for the week and they have to hand wash their socks if they want fresh socks, but our boys would just wear the same dirty socks. So anyway, you gotta be creative sometimes, right? But discipline is important, but not out of proportion. And finally, discipline with a mind towards discipleship to Christ-likeness, not you-likeness. And, and what I mean by that is, the goal is not to make our children like us, but to make them like Christ. And so it's not to to make sure that they fall in line with all of our preferences and all of our desires and all of our hopes and dreams for them, but instead it is to seek to help them understand who they are in Christ and what it is to look like him. 
So finally, as we wrap up this morning, and I know some of you are like, yes. How do we live by the code? Well, first and foremost, remember, this is a code written for believers living together under the design of God's hand. And so first and foremost, if in your home, if in your family, if, if in your, your, your group of, of family, if people aren't saved, the first goal is to get them to understand their need for salvation in Christ Jesus. Because unsaved people, while these standards can be helpful in helping them live a peaceful life, will not experience the full blessing and fruitfulness of these co- this code if they are not walking with Christ. Unsaved people, it can be good for them, but it's not going to work the way it's designed to because this is built upon believers. And so everyone must understand that we were created by a loving God for relationship, that all of us, like Adam and Eve, eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, all of us have rebelled against God and deserve for our rebellion death and his wrath, his just punishment. It's what we deserve because we've rebelled against him. But he loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, he, he became fully God, fully man, and lived a perfect sinless life, died on a cross to pay the price for your sin, to take your punishment, to absorb the wrath of God that you rightly deserve for your rebellion. He rose again on the third day to prove he really is God and really can forgive sins. And then we all now have the opportunity to choose to receive him or reject him. Those who receive him as Lord and Savior will be brought into eternal life that begins today and lasts forever. Those who reject him as Lord and Savior will remain dead in their sin and will finally one day experience the full consequence of their rebellion against God and experience a place called hell, the lake of fire. And so that gospel truth is where we have to start. And then once we're in a a household where everybody's saved, remember these things. Don't reject God's good design and commands for the sake of cultural relevance or acceptance. Our culture is telling us, parents, that you should affirm everything that your child wants about themselves and what they desire and what they like, and they get to rule the house, and they get to determine things, and that is all counter to God's standards for us as believing households. It is rebellion against him. Instead, the person who determines who we are and what our homes should look like and how we are to live our lives is not self, but our Savior. And because the household structure, this household code was maybe abused by your parents, and maybe they took God's word and and misused it in your life, doesn't mean you should reject it. It means instead you should redeem it and find how it should be properly applied. And then second, don't weaponize or abuse God's design. Can you see this? Parent and child having a struggle over what to do. The parent says, obey. And the child says, don't exasperate me. And we start using God's word as weapons against each other to sin. And that's ridiculous. Instead, do this. Do understand the command that's directed towards you. Are you a child? Obey your parents. You live out that command. Not because your parents want you to, but because your Savior has commanded you to. Fathers, mothers, 
train up your children rightly. Don't exasperate them. That's the command to you. Seek their godliness. Seek their Christ-likeness. Organized sock drawers are nice, but they have no bearing on eternity. But if you train up your child in Christ-likeness, and they come to know the Savior as you do, then their lives will be revolutionized. Understand your command. Pray for yourself. Pray for your children. Pray for your parents. And those of you who are maybe in, in, in situations that are non-traditional, pray for the people you know who are in a more traditional family structure. Pray, pray for your, your extended family, your cousins. Pray for whomever. Because we want to pray for them to first be saved and second to live out God's commands in their household. And then finally, support and proclaim God's design. When someone is doing it right, don't be afraid to tell them good job. As, as a young family, Shelly and I more than once had older people, older Christians come to us. We'd pray over our meals, and then our kids would sit most of the meal, you know, at a restaurant. And, and, and folks would come to us and say, it was such a blessing to see you pray and to see your kids sit peacefully and enjoy a meal with you. And that was a huge blessing to us. We were able to go finally, yeah, we're doing something right. I mean, it's going to be terrible when we get home, but we're doing something right here at the restaurant, right? You know, we're going to want to kill them when we get home, but hallelujah, we, we see fruit because other people see fruit. Support and proclaim God's good design. When someone is appropriately disciplining their child according to biblical standards, affirm them. When someone is outside of God's standards, encourage them to get back in line with God's word. We have a role and a responsibility. And it isn't just because we have a household, we've got a family, we've got parents, we've got kids, but as the body of Christ, we're responsible toward and for one another. To encourage each other to this, whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I encourage you to live out this household code. No matter our ages, no matter our status, this is how God has designed the Christian home to work. Live it, do it, support it where you see it, pray for it where you don't. And we can all experience the great blessing of God's good design. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. You have not left us wondering what it is to walk with you, but you have given us firm guidelines, standards, commands. They are not gray. They are black and white and true. And so when we have questions, we do not have to sit back and, and wonder what would Jesus do, but we can look into your word, Lord Jesus, and know exactly what you would have us to do. These commands, Lord, are not easy, and so would you give us strength to submit and love and obey and train up in a way that glorifies you, in a way that draws our loved ones closer to you, in a way that makes us disciplers of one another as we seek to glorify you in our homes above all else. Father, may we all experience the blessings of your good design as we submit ourselves to your clear commands. Convict us and strengthen us. In your name we pray, Lord.